Mother's Day. You know, I always gripe about the lessons I get, and I'm like, why? somebody should be up there telling me how wonderful I am this morning. Why am I teaching a Mother's Day lesson? I mean, don't you think my husband should be teaching the Mother's Day lesson and saying, oh, what a wonderful, I mean, he did in, a, in about a sentence. I, I thought, or you won, you could be doing that. You know, your dog and your wife last week, you know, it'd be nice for you to take a whole lesson and just talk about her virtues. Don't you think that'd be a great idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Well, you did. Yeah, I almost just turned you off. No, I, I'm kidding. Oh, you weren't here. I took up for you. I did. Mother's Day. And, you know, it, it is an awkward lesson to teach in a young adults class where probably the, the largest percentage of uh, ladies in here are single and they don't have any children. But we've been talking about culture, and this is not on the culture list. What does culture say about Mother's Day? But... uh. I started, I started working on this lesson, and I got all fired up. So are you guys ready? <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, you know, I'm thankful I had a mother. You know, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter if she was the worst thing in the whole wide world. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Yeah. Mother's Day 2010. And my question for you is, should we really celebrate Mother's Day? Now, I've, I've worked in a school for, oh, too long. We've been there, what, is this your 27th year, babe? Something like that. Your 27th year in a school. I, I taught school before uh, we got married for a couple of years. So 29 years I've been around children. And this is a good question. Because we'll have Grandparents' Day, and some kids don't have Grandparents' Day. Uh, We celebrate Mother's Day, and there's going to be children that feel bad because their mother's not someone that they want to extol. So the question is, should we celebrate Mother's Day? There's so many children without mothers. Divorce has torn families apart. Sometimes the children end up with their fathers, so there's no mother there. Death. What if uh, your mother had passed away, and that may be the case with someone in here, and and maybe it's just a painful day. Uh, illness. Maybe your your mother's ill, or you know someone has a mother that's very ill. And so, should we be honoring a day that makes somebody feel bad? Now that's our culture. We don't want anybody to feel bad unless they're Christian. So many other children have poor examples of mother, a druggy mother, someone that's on alcohol that can't get up and take care of them, promiscuousness maybe in their life, or maybe it's just an uncaring mother. She told me when her mother passed away, she said, I never, ever remember my mother saying, I love you. That's crazy. So for my mom, when she was growing up, was Mother's Day a, a good holiday? So the question is, and then there's women who can't have children. And so that's a, that's a stressful thing. You know, so Mother's Day always reminds them of what they can't have or don't have. 
So my question, I think, is valid. Should we really celebrate Mother's Day? There's a lot of people that feel bad on Mother's Day. There's a lot of people that have what-ifs on Mother's Day. There's a lot of people just want to forget that there's ever a thing such as a mother except for the fact that maybe they're alive. Good question. But I'm going to tell you we should celebrate Mother's Day. We should celebrate not just a Mother's Day, and I know there's uh, the card companies that, that's making big bucks and the flower companies. My husband bought me beautiful flowers today, and some person got some money out of that. But Mother's is something I believe that should be celebrated all year round, and that's not because I'm a mother. But our society is shaped and formed with mothers. You say, well, some of that's not good. That's exactly right. Some mothers don't teach and train the way they should. So let it be told, older women should teach the younger how to be a good mom. And so I figured that's why I got this job today, because I'm an old lady. I am 50 years old. I love being 50. I can blame 50 on everything. I can't find my keys. Well, I turned 50. I, I didn't remember your birthday. Ah, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm 50 now. But there are some things I know. And let me say right here at the beginning, because some of you might be sitting there going, I know your kids. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I, I want to say up front as I start this lesson, I am not a perfect mother. Uh, by any means. My children are not perfect children. Uh, you, you wouldn't have to look at me for very long or to look at Erica or Brittany. Erica's late, you know. You don't have to look very far to see their flaws. And yet I'm sure it's a little baby that's, that's uh, holding her back. I told her, I said, I need Landon today. I need, need him for a... But is she here? No. So my children, they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I must tell you that being a mother of those two girls, outside of being married to a wonderful man and having the Holy Ghost, has been the most marvelous experience of my life. There have been day, there were days, I remember they, they walked, and I probably have told this in here, they, they walked to the car one day both going to a secular university. Eric, I believe, was a senior. Brittany was probably a freshman. And I stood at the kitchen window and I watched them as they got in their car and their, their dresses and their hair was down and beautiful. And I stood there and I just began, I got all teary-eyed. I just, you know, I wasn't even 50 then. But I, I just got all teary-eyed and I said, thank you, Lord for good kids. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to touch some little lives and for them to grow up and to be just wonderful examples. So even though I, so I feel kind of odd, you know, telling you what a mother should be today because I'm not perfect. And yet I believe the scripture is very clear that when you've been there and done that, you need to share it. 
Is that okay? Will you guys, will you, will you give me, cut me some slack even though I'm not perfect? All right, thank you. Let's go to Titus. We're going to read a lot of scripture. For the one, you got your Bible? Good, because I need you to help me out because I got a lot of scripture. You say, well, why are we going to talk about scripture? <laughs> well, because it's the scripture that's the basis for being a good mom. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Do you have that, Brother Juan? Forget that part. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, The older women are to teach the younger. So let it be told that motherhood is all right. Our works then as a mother will be told for generations. Now, we don't have to read Matthew 26, 13. It's the story of the anointing of Jesus and but what I want you to what what I want you to get from that story is that after this woman had done this awesome work to the Lord, the Lord said, This is going to be told. Wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be told. And I'm telling you that over the generations, what we do as mothers, what we do, the way we impact our kids will go on for generations. You say, how generations? Because I'm going to teach my children. My children are going to teach their children. Those children are going to go ahead and teach other children. And what I do, how I act as a mother, I'm up here telling you about my grandmother. That wasn't a good example, but it's told over and over again. Very important what we do with our lives. And then Proverbs 31, 28, and 31, if you'd read that for me, Brother Juan. So let it be told. Our children will rise up and call us blessed. I got a Facebook message this morning early from Erica. I got a big hug from Brittany this morning. Uh my husband telling me he couldn't have found a better woman to to raise his kids yeah yeah whatever but you know all that stuff meant something but you know what even if they didn't verbally tell me the bible says there in proverbs 31 31 that my works will speak for me your works will speak for you someday when you're a mother your works will speak for you. If you are a mother, your works will speak for you. You are one of the most important people in all the world. The Bible speaks of mothers over and over and over again. I teach women of the Bible, and and I I really struggle because it's like, which one could I teach? I, I could teach a bazillion. We could go back to Jochebed. We could go to Hannah. We could go to just on and on and on, Eunice and Lois and Mary and on and on, because the Bible knew that it was mothers that shaped a culture. And you know what? Let it be told that we need Mother's Day because our society needs the example of good mothers. I teach in a Christian school, and I'm telling you, our society needs examples of good mothers desperately so becoming a mother one of the most exciting parts of the life the test 
am I or am I not? We even have a picture in our photo album of the test, the positive test. Is that funny or what? It is. And anybody in here that has had a baby knows exactly what I'm talking about. And for you young mothers, you will do the same ignorant thing. The excitement, that building, that I'm going to give birth to, to a little child. That nine-month wait, the anxiety, is the baby okay? Is everything all right? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Does it have hair? Erica, we called her the billiard ball. Shiny, shiny head. And when Landon came out with lots of hair, we were like, wow, this is cool. Never. The birth. I'll never forget having Erica. And Erica, you came in at the great, a great time. go through this pain and suffering which is it don't let people scare you about that. that you know it's it lasts and it's over bible tells you you'll forget about it and you'll have another one that's how dumb we are <laughs> but you know you're this anxiety this nine month anxiety and, and 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 here comes this baby that's squalling and the nurse picks up erica and hands her to me and i look and everybody says every baby's beautiful. That is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> I took a look at her, and I'll tell you, the first thing that went through my mind was, oh, my God, she's ugly. <laughs> but she's mine. I remember, I remember distinctly thinking, she's ugly, but she's mine, and I'll love her. Let me tell you folks, though, in Erica's defense, 20 minutes under the warmer and her little nose popped out and she, rosy cheeks and, and she was the most beautiful thing that was ever born at that moment. You know, we put so much on looks, though. You know, it's really hilarious being on Facebook nowadays and connecting to old Bible school students that I've had. The handsome, the one that all the girls were after. <laughs> it's a riot. And I think, you silly girls, you went for the wrong thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Looks. So then there's that birth, and then all of a sudden there's this awesome responsibility because that little baby is not just a toy that you put on the shelf. But when it cries, right, Janae, you get up and you feed it. And when they cry, you do this. When they do that, and it's like everybody has an opinion and there's 20 million books and what are you supposed to do? There's that life. And then along with giving birth is what I call the wish. And every parent, every mother goes through this. I want my child to become, I don't know. What do you want your child to become? When you have children, what will you want them to become? What did your parents wish for you? You know, we all want to reach for something high. I want my child to become. But the child does not just become because I wish or by chance. 
I, I put a couple silly pictures up here. I, I put a nice Jeep, brand new Jeep. And then I put a picture of a Jeep that once was brand new and beautiful. And the, the picture on the internet said the Jeep uh, dump. Put a picture of a nice, crisp Granny Smith apple there that just makes you, if you like sour things, you just want to bite. And then I put a picture of a shriveled up little apple. When these babies come to us, they're brand new. There's exciting possibilities. They can reach the stars. But the reality is, they're not going to get there what you wish just by wishing it or just by chance. And don't talk to me about the odds. I know the odds. I know there are some kids that can overcome anything and they go on to become. I know uh, there are surrogate mothers and fathers that take hold of a child that maybe didn't have a wonderful mother or a wonderful father and they put themselves into them and they succeed. I know that there's a God that can't help children to overcome all kinds of odds. And I know that there are people that will look at a family situation and say, I refuse to allow my life to be like that, and they make a change. But I want to say to you today, our children are not poker chips. Our children are not something to be gambled away. Our children are not something that maybe just by chance they'll end up being successful in life. Or maybe just by chance they'll end up being in the work of God. Maybe just, I hope, I hope, I hope. It doesn't really get that way that like that. The child also does not become just because God wishes it so. What do you think about that? And we're going to read some scriptures here. And that third one there is uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. I couldn't remember where it was when I was writing this out, so I apologize for that. But I want us to go to Psalm 139. Are you, am I boring, you guys? Good, I hope not. I, I, I feel kind of preachy, but um, this, is, this is good stuff. Uh, Brother Juan, you have that because I can't get there fast enough. <laughs> Through 18. When we were conceived, God had his hand on us. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by the, by the hand of the master creator. That, that's incredible for me. And God says, you know what? I, I can't even, David said, I can't even write down the times that God thinks about me. He thinks about me all the time. 
It's incredible God's love for me. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I've got that one. Juan, if you can go to Jeremiah, what did you girls say it was? 20, 29, 11, if you can find that one. But in Jeremiah, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And when before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Allah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. The Lord had his hand on the life of Jeremiah when he was in his mother's womb. God has a plan for our lives. Uh, and then go ahead, Jeremiah, whatever that, I told you. <laughs> God's got plans for you. Psalms 128, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat of the labor of thine hands. Happy shall you be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thy house, and thy children like olive plants round about thy table. God's got plans for our kids. And then Proverbs 14 and 1 says, Juan, you got that one. A wise woman, a wise mother will build up her house, but a foolish woman will tear it down. All I have to do is go to some... Uh, stores and it, it I, I just get so frustrated I hear mo uh, mothers yelling at their children now have I ever yelled at my child yes uh, don't talk Erica about that too much I've also apologized for yelling because it's not good but you go to these stores and you hear these mothers screaming at their kids you stupid thing you'll never amount to anything Ugh, get off that floor and they pick them up and I want to just go over and go bam I'll take that child for you you build a child up by what you say. You tear them down by what you say. But our children will become that wish because of God, because of mothers and fathers. It's not Father's Day, though. And eventually, their free will. They are not going to become just by chance. When that little gorgeous baby is born, and you have high hopes for that child. That child is not going to become something awesome for God or even awesome in this world without someone taking the time. God has plans for them. God has thoughts for them. I have wishes for them, but it doesn't just happen. There's principles. Teach them every day what is important. Little Landon, Erica when she was little, Brittany, we told them every day there's one God, one God. By the time they could almost lift their little fingers up right and had an ever-loving clue, they didn't even know who God was when I would ask them the question, how many gods are there? They would go, one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 through 9 is a very, very important scripture. It's part of our covenant with God. And what does it say, Juan, really loud? Here, you need the mic for this one. This is, this is, this is good stuff. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Every day. You say, but they already know that. Every day. Every day you teach them something about God. Every day. Well, I was really busy today. No, every day. Every day. You, why does God say every day? Are these kids stupid? No. It's because what we tell them over and over and over and over again is what they get in their hearts. There's one God. Then when they're 19 and they, you know, some little deceiver comes around preaching some new doctrine, they go, no, 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 I learned that when I was a little kid. Every day my mom said, there's one God. There's one God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 I like, the, I like 2 Timothy because Timothy is a preacher, and uh, listen to these verses. 1-5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. A mother and a grandmother were given credit for two things, their unfeigned faith and for teaching the word of God. Now, how did they live faith? Well, we know faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The Lord in the Old Testament was not being silly or stupid when he said, tell them every day, what thus saith the Lord. It's that word of God, it's that faith in God that's going to get your child to where you want them to really be, where God wants them to be. It's not going to happen by chance. It's going to be because every day you get up and you determine in your heart, I'm going to put something good into their heart. And then live every day the life you want them to copy. <laughs> All I, Erica, Brittany both, I have to drive in the car with them when they first get their license. And I hear them and I know they are copying their mother. You stupid person, why'd you pull out in front of me? And it's at that moment I think, oh. That's just a little dumb. But they do. They copy who you are. You stick out their tongue. We, we landed. He was a month old. We would stick our tongue out of him, and he'd stick his tongue out. And I thought, you know better than to do that to him, because when he's three and he's sticking his tongue out, <laughs> it's not so funny. Live every day the life you want them to copy. It doesn't happen by chance. Pray for them. I pray for my girls still. They're, they're old. I pray for my son-in-law. I pray for Brittany. I, 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 I pray that Erica and Josh would be the example to little Landon. The example that God... So that whatever God intended for little Landon, that's what he will become. I pray for Brittany that 
She won't get hoodwinked and she'll marry the right guy. Because someday she's going to be a mom with 10 kids. And, and if she's not married to the right guy, she's going to struggle a little bit. Pray for him. You know, I don't go down all the time and just lay my hands on my kids every time they're at the altar. But every once in a while, the Lord will just say, why don't you just go pray for him? And I guarantee you one thing. When I go and I pray for my kids, it means a lot. I know when my mom comes over and prays for me, it's like, don't, you're just going to get me crying here. If I don't pray every day, I know my mom's got it covered because she was a real mom. There's principles to being a good mom, to having good kids. And then enjoy your kids. Oh, my word, enjoy them. You may not believe this, but teach him about Santa Claus. Have fun. And I know some of you are like, That's, I'll send him to hell. No, it won't. But if you think it will, then don't teach him about Santa. We did so much fun stuff with our kids. You, you've heard the story about Brittany and Santa Claus, haven't you? When she finally found out, she was probably about 12. Because we were such good deceivers. Uh, no, she wasn't 12, but she was older. And she just went into hysterics. There's no Santa Claus. And we were actually on our way to go see Santa. And, and against the law, I let her sit on my lap because, you know, you're supposed to be in the seat belt in the back and all this stuff. And she's just heave and just shaking. And I'm feeling like this horrid mother. And uh, she finally kind of calmed down. And she's. And then she looked at me and she said, If there's no Santa. That means there's no Easter Bunny, too. Ah! But the other day I said, when you have kids, are you going to tell them about Santa? She said, oh, yeah. I said, it didn't scar you for life. No. Have fun with your kids. We buried treasures on the beaches and kids with shovels, and they're thinking that there's pirate ships out there that's just put this in there, and they're watching for We had fun with our kids. That's part of being a mom. You know, you can't just be church, 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 sit on that bench, don't you say a word, learn your Bible verses without having fun with them. Have fun with them. The elves always came at Christmas time. You'd hear the bells, and we'd just pick them up in their pajamas, put them in the car, go ride and see the lights, buy some uh, donuts and hot chocolate, make life exciting. That's part of being a mom. That's part of getting your kids to where you want them to be because they're a well-rounded person. Provide for them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Be there for them. My kids never had the best tennis shoes. I didn't go out and buy $100 tennis shoes. I would go somewhere and they'd be nice, respectable tennis shoes. I didn't taught my kids, you don't have to be like everybody else. We're not going to go in debt in this house. It's not going to happen. Just get, get a lot. Erica and Josh came and said, we want to get married. And we're like, fine, that's wonderful. We got a little bit of money, but we're not going into debt for this wedding. Mark it down. It's not going to happen. We've never been in debt for anything, and it's not going to start now. Now, that sounds mean. No, it doesn't. It sounds mean. What did I do? I was teaching a principle to my kids. They got married just like everybody else. 
challenge their abilities. And I put this one in here because this is part of discovering what God put in them. When they're born, God had a plan for them like we read in the scriptures. He has a plan. Your job is to figure out what is it that God wants to do with them. You're going to find as your children grow that they'll have certain interests in certain things. Maybe they're musical. Maybe they like to speak. Maybe this or that. Provide every opportunity you can for those kids. Put in them. You know, at our Christian school, the acts competition is wonderful. It trains kids. I've had parents say, I don't care what they do. What do you mean you don't care what they do? What do you mean you don't care what they do? You need to give them every opportunity so that when they grow up, I don't know if you were here at IBC the other night, but for graduation, Brittany was honorable mention. She's not supposed to be on the platform, nothing. She had a 4.0, but she can't, she can't be valedictorian because it's not allowed when you just do the one-year program. But Brother Romine, for some reason, called her up and handed her the microphone. And, you know, here's the salutatorian. They've all given these polished speeches that are all written out, and he hands her the microphone. As a mother, I must tell you, I was sitting there going, thank God for Acts. When back in those moments, we took the time to put speaking skills into her <laughs> and prayed over her. And she, she, it was like, a, it was wonderful. I was so proud. I have to repent today. And then there's a point where you have to, from the time they're small, but all the way you have to entrust them to God. You got to let them fly. You've got to let them go. There is a biblical example I want to just talk about briefly, and it was Hannah. Hannah didn't have any children. And in the culture of their time, it was not good for a woman to not have a child. She was, and this isn't God, but this is culture. It was, they were to. They were to marry. If you were a girl, you're to marry. You're supposed to give your husband children, and you're supposed to make him happy. That was, that was pretty much what you were supposed to do. And so a woman without a child uh, wasn't a good thing. She had that natural instinct. She wanted a child. And her response, and I'm going through this story very quickly, and there's a lot to this story that, that I could pick up, but I'm not. But she's in the temple one day, and they have gone through the, sacri the sacrifice meal, and she won't eat, and she's very disturbed. And she goes somewhere to a prayer meeting, and she begins to, she begins to pray. The Bible says she, you can't hear her voice, but her mouth is moving. And she's praying diligently with, with her whole soul for God to give her a child. And the preacher sees her and thinks that she's just a drunken woman because in their day and time there was a lot of drinking and lots of stuff at, at the tabernacle, and I, we're not going to get into all that. But she said, no, no preacher, no Eli, I, I'm not a drunken woman. I have poured out my soul to God. I want a child. I want a child. She prayed for this little boy, and the preacher said, go your way, you will have a child. She birthed a little boy by the name of Samuel. But the scripture says that for this son I prayed. 
And as long as I have him, I am going to lend him back to the Lord. She prayed to have him. He was a blessing of God. Every child that any mother births is a blessing of the Lord. It makes rich. But this little lady did something very odd. She took this child, and not only did she just say, he belongs to you, Lord, but she actually took him back to this tabernacle and let him live there after she had weaned him. She put incredible stuff in him, I would imagine, in those first probably three years. Just like Jochebed must have put amazing stuff into Moses. Those first three years of age, and I'm talking to some of you mothers that's got little babies right now that maybe drive you crazy sometimes. Those first three years are so important what you put into them. And what we tend to do is wait till they're about seven or eight and want to do, do amazing miracles. But I'm telling you, from the time they're babies, you better teach them right. You better live it. You better pray over them. You better anoint them. Whatever you have to do. But she said, I'm giving him back to the Lord. This was incredible because Israel at this point in time was in a horrible state. I look at this story sometimes and I think, how in the world could you give your son back to a tabernacle, to a temple, that there's so much sin right there in the tabernacle? How could you do that? But I'm always reminded that in this evil and wicked world, when we dedicate something to the Lord that we've put so much time in and we partner with God, we can trust that God will keep them. My kids went off to college. I know I went to college. I know some of the junk that they throw at you. But God can keep them if you train them and you teach them and you pray over them and you watch over them. She gave him to the Lord. She cared about him continuously the bible says that she made and brother uh kilman could maybe help us here it says she made him a little coat every year and took it to him but the scripture before that talks about he was clothed in a linen ephod like a priest that little guy's growing every year and my question is was a mama that sewed a new little linen ephod every year. I don't know. Preach is good. But this I do know. If you want God to take control of your child's life, prepare that child so they can be anointed by God. Year after year after year. I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. She got results. Samuel was a judge, a prophet, a revivalist that called Israel back to God, and he was the anointer of two kings. What a proud mama she must have been. A mother's desire should be, I want my child to be everything God wants and intends for them to be. God doesn't just write it out for us. But I'm telling you, if you'll teach them and train them and pray over them and partner with them with God, they can be what God has called them to be.
then I'm happy as a mom. And you're happy as a mom. So where are you? Maybe you need to thank a mom today for putting this stuff into you. Maybe you're the mom that's worthy of thanks. And I say, thank you. God bless you. I put this silly little picture up there for a reason. Do you know if you went up there to that little lioness, she would eat your head off if you tried to touch that little baby? That's a picture of a mother with a little darling. Erica, bring Landon up here. I know he's asleep. Quick, 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 quick. Run, run, run. Come on. Mothers should be able to move a lot faster than that. And I want everybody to remember this. Turn them around so they can see them. That is cute. <laughs> but you know what? That little boy's going to grow up. And yes, he can be a little backslidden rat if he wants to be. But Erica, if you'll put something good into him and pray over him and find his talents and make a fun home, he can grow up to be the next Samuel. And I pray over him all the time. Jesus, make this boy a preacher. I don't know that that's what God wants him to do. But I've got dreams. You've got dreams. Josh, you've got dreams for this little guy. But they don't stay little and cute. They grow up. And turn to somebody and say, it takes a good mama. It takes a good mama. I hope I wasn't boring. I hope I wasn't preachy. But I hope I got across a little point to you. There's no greater joy than your kids. Honestly, I think I probably about had to sew buttons on the other night watching my kid. Am I proud? It's not me. But you know what? With God, all things are possible. Stand. We're late. God, we're late. We're supposed to be upstairs. But, Lord, I, I pray blessings on every mother in this room. For every mother that's going to be in this room, I pray blessings on them, God. I pray, Lord, that you would even maybe work on the hearts of some of the young people in this class to take a little child that maybe doesn't have a good mom and take them under wing and impress wonderful things in their life. Because, God, you can work through that angle also. But I thank you today for a good mom. I thank you for the opportunity to be a mother. And I just want to give you thanks, God, because everything that ever happens in our life is due to you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.